if you're selling something on the internet, people should know what you do. It shouldn't be a question. Like, for example, if you got with a group of people on Twitter and you say, yeah, that insurance guy, I bet you somebody in there is going to be like, oh, okay, hey, yeah, I, I might not know him, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's my goal. I want to be that insurance guy. You are listening to The Millionaire Talk Show with Charles Oglesby. We're going to be millionaires. And we're interviewing proven millionaires who've built their wealth in real estate, sales, marketing, branding, and other areas by betting on themselves. And now, here's your host, Charles Oglesby. Charles Oglesby. So, this is the Millionaire Talk Show. My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire, founder and director of the Todd Capital Investment Family, man. I don't even really call it a club. Uh, it started out as a club, just helping people, um, doing something for free. And it just turned into a brand, which is the whole goal all along. So, the goal was to discover your gift, refine your gift, and then give your gift away. Uh, we were able to work with a lot of really cool people that we still have really good relationships with um, and just change the culture, which we've been doing and have been doing. And uh, interestingly enough, the brother that's on, been on this show, he was on this show a long time ago, but he was also on Tweet Talk. And so we needed to bring him back on this show because this show is the business show. We're going to be talking about him and his insurance brokerage, which I think is really cool because it's an industry and a business that a lot of us could and should get into. And he didn't say, hey, I'm just going to go work for an insurance company. He started his own insurance company, which is super dope, super inspiring. He's been crushing it. He has just been continuing to just run it up and uh, grow his business. And I think he's very happy with himself. I think he's very confident in what he's accomplished. And I think he's proud of um, doing it his own way, as opposed to just like being under somebody's thumb and listening to them, tell him what he needs to do and what he has to wear and has to do his hair and all that stuff. And uh, there's power in that. And that's kind of the power that we've been talking about this whole time. That's the whole point of everything that we do is empowerment. We're not out here trying to um, just do business for the sake of doing business. We're doing business because it's empowering. It's empowering to have an office that has your shit in it. It's empowering to make your hours. It's empowering to show up at 10 o'clock if you want to and work hard and still not be looked at crazy because you showed up two hours late. All this stuff is empowering. My name is Charles Oglesby. Uh, thanks to you all for tuning in. The purpose of this podcast is to share the stories of successful African-American business owners and investors so that people can hear the stories of successful examples because they do exist. If you did not know that this brother existed, you probably might think that nobody like him existed, but he does. And uh, he is him. So welcome to the show, brother. Hey, man, thank you so much for having me on back again. Uh, I think uh, 20, 2019 is is when we uh, did the, the first one. And I think you've been, what, you about, what, six, seven years strong on, on this podcast, huh? Damn, you think so? It, it got, I mean, it, it, it what, at least 2017, right? 2017. Hold on. 2017. Where was I? Yeah, sounds about right. That's five years. Cause I was listening to you. I started to see you back in 2018. Oh no, no, no. Maybe at the at the maybe at the end of at the end of 2017. No, it definitely it was around that time because I created this brand because I needed more income to uh because I got married and I've been married for about five years. Actually, I've been married for about six years, it'd be six years this year. And uh, we moved in and I had a wife, and she was like, uh, my husband's supposed to be paying for all these things and doing all these things. And I'm just like, with what money? Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, I need to start a business to supplement my income. And that was about five years ago. And so one of the first things I did at that dining room table, when we had our first apartment and uh, I started recording the podcast, I put a cell phone on top of my MacBook Air and it started just talking to people. So yeah, it's been about five years, man. That's crazy. Five years of podcasting, and we still yep. going. Five years. Now, That's now, a definite decade. Now you got a fly office. Yeah, man. Now I got a fly office. office. 
And I'm trying to get a fly building. That's the real goal. Get a fly building, put Oglesby Holdings up there. So Dame Dash should be proud of me. He said, don't you wish your son's name was up there? It's like, it is up there. So now my son can go to school and they're like, oh, we drive past the Oglesby building all the time. Like, yeah, exactly. that's what we're about, man. The Oglesby building. So five years. Um, but to give you guys some backstory, for those who don't know, this brother hated me. He was like, F Charles, this dude does not know what he's talking about. He's always talking about this entrepreneurship <laughs> stuff, telling him to shut up because I don't know. And uh, but we made a shift and we've been cool ever since. Yeah. Yeah. So we never uh, like I said, so back in this had to be back 20 late 2017. It had to be late, late 2017 or maybe even all of 2017 when I first started seeing. I forgot who it was. I don't, I don't even think I'm cool with the guy no more. But he kept uh, retweeting you on Twitter. Uh, like I said, man, my mindset was so different. So. I really wasn't trying to hear what you was talking about. Um, and then, you know, just being a guy that's open-minded, you know, kind of just pretty much just gave in to, uh, you know, at the at the time, you know, entrepreneurship was, I mean, even still now, it's pretty, pretty popular. Um, financial literacy, you know, at that time and even now for people, you know, it's pretty popular. So um, I ended up going from not, I'm not going to say I hated you, but from not liking what you were talking about to you ended up becoming an inspiration, you know, and I'm at where I'm at today by listening to your podcast and, you know, your guests and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how that works. So you have your own insurance business brokerage. You sell life insurance, health insurance, and there's a lot that we can talk about, but how did you get interested in even going that route? So let me see. So back in uh, back in 2018, I was working uh, commissary for for like a restaurant. So I would make sure like all the food they were selling was sellable, you know, for for uh, customers and stuff. And um, I started listening to your podcast. Um, you always ask the guests, you know, what's their favorite business book? You know, they would say uh, most people at that time were saying like Rich Dad Poor Dad. So I went and read that book. Uh, I started listening to Nipsey Hustle, you know, started following different people on Twitter. Uh, and I ended up getting into uh, first I was helping people with their credit. And I, it was a, a young lady I was uh, kind of talking to at the time. And she was telling me about insurance. And I was like, at that time, I was like, man, you know what? They say that the, a millionaire has seven streams of income. So I need to, you know, jump into all the industries that I can, you know, so I can start making some good money. Um, and I got recruited. Uh, by a network marketing company to sell insurance. I kind of just sat back and realized like what it was, you know, as far as like all the recruiting stuff. And I was selling insurance. I was just like, man, you know what? I want to sell insurance. I want to do it my own way. I didn't want to follow their system. So, you know, 2019, I pretty much jumped out on my own. Um, although I was kind of still looking at insurance as like a, a somewhat of a side hustle because I was trying to do other stuff. And even on the on the first podcast that we we did, I'm pretty sure I was talking about wholesaling, which I don't, I don't do that anymore. Uh, but 2020, I just talked to myself and I was like, man, you know, if you want to go far, you probably should just pick one thing and just, you know, become an expert at that. And I was like, man, I just want to do this insurance thing because I saw the power of it. Uh, and I saw not a lot of people in our community, you know, were talking about it. Um, so I was like, man, you know, I need to, you know, basically just fill this spot, you know, and bring in, you know, education, you know, back to the community, you know, in this, in this industry. That's what I've pretty much been doing ever since. Um, insurance is kind of a complicated industry. They have all these different products. How did you get good at understanding what was what? So that's a good question. And what I did was pretty much just focused on one or two lanes inside the insurance industry because you can do so much like auto, car, you know, uh, home, uh, life, health, you know. But since I was already, you know, talking about financial literacy, 
you know, I was already getting around people who were, you know, doing other things, you know, in, you know, um, in entrepreneurship. So I was like, man, let me just study like life, you know, and life really isn't, it's really not that complicated. Um, it, it's like I said, it's, it's not that, I mean, life insurance, I mean, some have extra features, but it's not, you know, it's not that hard to, you know, comprehend what's going on and, you know, help people out with, with that stuff. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I ended up just focusing on life and health. I pretty much, you know, in my opinion, it, it goes hand in hand. Um, and like I said, with us on social media, you know, on, I guess, LLC, Twitter, whatever they want to call it. Like I said, I didn't see anybody out there talking about life insurance or if they were, they weren't going too deep into it. So, like I said, I saw that opportunity and I, I basically just took it and ran with it. Um, a brokerage, like when you start your own brokerage, do you have to go through a larger brokerage? You have to take a new exam. What's the process for getting that? Uh, I mean, all you have to do is get a get a corporate license. It's not really nothing hard. As long as you have a, a personal license, you just apply for a corporate one. Really? Hey, for you don't have to be insurance. backed by like another company. Uh, not all the time. Uh, it does help. It does help, especially if you're trying to partner with different companies. But no, you don't. You really don't have to. So you get your license. You get your life insurance license, and then you have to get a what license? A corporate license? Yeah, corporate license. So basically, you go personal agent getting the license, you go get an LLC. And then once you get that LLC, you get a, uh, you basically get E&O insurance that covers the whole agency and not just yourself. And then you go apply for a, a corporate license. And then instead of it saying, you know, Brandon Thomas's license in Texas, it'll say Brandon Thomas insurance is licensed in Texas. And that way, when you start hiring or recruiting other agents under you, everybody's pretty much, you know, as long as they have that license, they're, you know, licensed under you in Texas or whatever state, you know. What's interesting is a lot of people might not know this. I don't think we talked about this before, but some of the first black millionaires and very successful black people own life insurance companies because it's a fantastic business. Now, I think owning a life insurance company and necessarily selling life insurance are maybe two different things. Because uh, when you own the company and you actually are the insurance company insuring the life, that means you're bringing in all the premiums and you're keeping them in house. Mm -hmm. Whereas what you do is a little bit different. Um, That's kind of interesting. How does it, how do you become a life insurance company? That's got to be way different requirements. Uh, Honestly, man, I really don't know. But I feel like you definitely have to have your money up though. I tell you that. That's something I can think of. You definitely have to have your money up. Um, But I really don't know. And I really don't know if any like newcomers, in that part of the industry, I know for me, myself, I pretty much all the companies I work with, you know, I've been around since either the late 1800s or early 1900s, you know, uh, that way people are, you know, trusting, you know, who they're putting, you know, their faith into to, you know, pay out those premiums and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know how people go about actually doing that. And honestly, I mean, that's really never been uh, one of my goals. Uh, I just like, you know, the the middleman service, you know, it's a lot of money in being a middleman if, if you know what you're doing. Yeah. So speaking of being a middleman, you get your license, you get your corporate license, and then you have to sign up with different companies, right? Yes. Well, I mean, that, at that point, it's basically uh, upon your discretion, how many companies you sign up with, you know, what you what you want to sell. But yeah, after you get that license, it's basically it's time to get appointed. You know, so if you're selling, you know, I don't know, burial insurance, you probably want to get with companies that have good uh, policies for people that are, you know, 50 and up. Um, If you're just selling, you know, term or, you know, other types of permanent insurance, just make sure you're with companies 
that provide you know term permanent uh i would also i would also get with multiple companies that way you know you can have you show your clients like options and stuff like that right, so right. you want to um, give them instead of just saying this is all i got it's like we can pick between this and this exactly that's what separates you from somebody that works at like state farm or all state progressive whatever they're only going to show you what progressive has to offer versus me you know i can basically put in people's you know date of birth your gender how much insurance do you want okay i got these 10 companies right here you know this one will give you the cheapest one uh this one has more benefits you know pretty much whatever you're giving people yeah. options at that point um in terms of building up your clientele base how did you go about that? Man, that's a good question. Uh, so I, I definitely didn't have any money. Um, and at that point, when I left the uh, the network marketing insurance company, I didn't have any mentors to show me like what to do. So I pretty much was out there just, you know, throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. So at first, man, you know, I would get on Facebook and I basically, if me and somebody had more than 10 mutual friends, I would add them as a friend on Facebook and I would send them like an unsolicited message. So I'm basically, you know, maxing out my Facebook friends. I think it's like five or 6,000 and I'm sending like 20 messages every day, you know, cold messaging people. You know, some people are, you know, cussing me out, blocking me. Of course, a lot of people are not going to respond, but I did have a few people, you know, that ended up actually responding that came, ended up becoming my, my first client. So uh, messaging people on uh, Facebook, posting a lot of stuff on social media, you know, posting just a lot of, you know, information um stuff like uh you know what do life insurance companies look at you know when you're in the process of getting accepted or declined or you know just information like that uh and i ended up getting like a lot of you know clients just off of that doing that on twitter uh, instagram and facebook um uh, but then once i got my money up i started investing in you know google ads uh seo um strategic partnerships referral partners uh you know different different stuff like that so um, but once I went on, I was broke, it's pretty much, you know, I guess you could call it online door knocking, just sending people random messages and stuff like that. Um, but man, I was hungry. Like looking back, it pro- it's probably not the best thing to do. Uh, but at that time, man, like I said, I didn't know what else to do. I even tried door knocking too, um, just trying to put myself out there. Do you, do you think that it's better to approach it on social media or approach it like in real life? Uh, man, both. I feel like you have to have an online and an offline presence. Um, with the, in the insurance industry, like you definitely want to be known in your local community, especially like, um, on the, like life, especially health side, uh, where there's not like a lot of competition, like in the health insurance industry, I would definitely like local going to different, uh, not even just business events, but just community events. Um, and like I said, online, just sharing like a lot of information about, uh, your industry, uh, giving people pointers, stuff like that. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Um, how much money can somebody, should somebody expect to make in their first year? Like what did that first year look like for you in terms of like getting out there and making it rain? My first year, I made a little, a little bit over 20,000. So, which is, I mean, look, I mean, honestly, man, uh, at first, like, I'm not gonna say I was disappointed, but I'm just like, man, like how many people actually go out and make over $20,000 in a first business? You know, a lot of people don't even make it. A lot of people don't even make it to year three in business. So, um, but yeah, uh, and like I said, it was pretty much, you know, I really wasn't paying for any type of marketing at that point too. Everything was free. Um, like I said, a lot of social media, joining different, um, I know in, I'm in Austin, so they had a um, they had a group called Black Men in Austin that I joined. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, BNI. Yep. 
yeah, I, I joined the BNI chapter. Matter of fact, I got my insurance license October of 2018, and then I got into BNI December of 2018. So I didn't even really know much about the industry. I was just like, man, I just got to put myself out there. So I ended up joining. I didn't know anything about it. They just told me, hey, this is a, a, a exclusive business group, and you should join it. So I was like, man, all right, bet. Hey, here, you know, here's 600 bucks. Let me join it. Uh, I don't think I got any type of business from that either. Uh, but put myself out there though. How much of uh, your job is actually sales and how much is it just serving people who already found you and want to work with you? Like, do you actually have to sell them on the insurance policy? Uh, honestly, man, I pretty much put myself in a position to where, like I said, I only, uh, as far as paid advertising goes, I only put money into SEO or Google. So by the time people reach out to me, they pretty much already know what they want. They just looking for the right price or maybe they have a question that you need to uh, answer. You need to clear something up. But as far as like actually like being like a corny salesman, having to talk somebody into something, I don't I don't do that. I don't cold call people. Um, So it's really it's really none of really none of that. Um, I get like a lot of business from referrals. So, like I said, by the time people come to me, I would say on a scale of one to 10, their interest level is definitely like at, at the least a six. Okay. So now that you've been an entrepreneur for a good amount of time, could you ever see yourself going and getting a job? Um, no, I could not do that. Uh, I'm pretty much too, I, I think I'm, I'm too, well, not even I think, but I'm, I'm too far in the game. So it's like, even like I'll wake up some mornings, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take a, a bad L or something and I'm like, dang, man, like. Do I really want to continue to do this? Well, I, sometimes I can wake up just tired, like, man, dang, like, sometimes I, I do miss, like, somebody telling me, hey, bro, you just show up at, you, you come in at 10, you can leave at four or something like that, you know, and I do miss it, but then I'm just like, man, you know what? I'm too far deep in the game. I don't have anything else to go back to. So, like I said, I really pretty much put myself in a position to where I don't have a choice but to make this work. Yeah, yeah. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop, presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. What is something you could do to make your business grow like 10x to the point to where you have like staff and people working for you and you growing it out like that? Uh, well, I mean, I, I pretty much, I mean, I got that like online um, as far as like having like a, a brick and mortar business. I don't know if I really want to do that. Right. I, I thought about it because I'm just like, man, I don't see myself leaving Austin. And I know the commercial rents out here are high. So I'm just like, man, why would I want to put that on a building when I can just put that towards marketing? You know, I pretty much got I got everything I need. You know, I got people that I, I need to I need to give me a VA. I guess that's my last step. I need, I need a VA to handle some of my business. But my marketing stuff, I don't really, really too much. Don't touch. Um I got leads that I handle myself, but I got downline agents too that pretty much do their own thing. So like I said, the brick and mortar stuff, I just don't, if I did do brick and mortar, it'd simply be because I would want people to see, Hey, here's my name on this building right here. So it'd be more of a, like, I guess showing out like, Hey, I did this, you know? Interesting. Very interesting. Um, Man, what, what would you say is like a myth about life insurance? Uh, a myth. Uh, some people, some people don't believe that life insurance companies pay out. 
like, and I guess, you know, from their perspective, I, I guess I kind of see where they're coming from because some people are, matter of fact, in a situation that just happened recently. So it wasn't my client, but it was uh, one of my friends' cousins. He got a policy out in November uh, 2021. He ended up dying this month in a million dollar life insurance policy, right? So, and they call me like, hey man, like, are they really going to pay out? Like, is this really like, because they only paid like what, two or three months of worth, worth of premiums. Premiums are probably not even a hundred dollars, but he got that whole million dollars. So, I mean, as long as you're honest on life insurance uh, applications, uh, as long as you don't try to rob a bank or as long as you don't commit suicide, I mean, they're going to pay out. So I know oh, it. Wow. some people think that when you're paying premiums, for example, like some people think, let's say your policy is a hundred thousand dollars. People think that they pay premiums into the hundred thousand dollars. So they actually have to put a hundred thousand dollars into the policy before they pay out. So that's one myth. That's not true. You know, something could, you could, your policy can go into effect on Friday. God forbid something happened to you on Monday. You know, as long as you didn't, you know, die from one of these reasons that are excluded in the policy, you know, they're going to, they're going to pay out. Yeah. A lot of people don't like talking about life insurance because they feel like they're talking about death. Um, how do you get over that? Um, honestly, man, that's a good question. And what I really do is, is I talk about their children and what the money can do for their children. So I don't pretty much, the only time I really talk about as far as death is if I'm talking to older people, which older people are, I mean, they're pretty much comfortable with it. Uh, so if I'm selling like a burial insurance policy, of course I have to tell them, you know, Hey, this is going to cover, you know, all your burial, you know, uh, fees, family doesn't have to really worry about anything, but you know, if I'm talking to you, you know, we're getting a million dollar policy. I'm not talking to you about death. You know, I'm talking to you about, Hey, if something happens to you, you know, your peoples are going to be taken care of with this million dollars. You know what I'm saying? They can do X, Y, Z, you know, with this millions of dollars. So I kind of just take the the thought away from death. Cause I mean, when you talk about life insurance, like you said, we, that, that it's going to pop up in your mind. You know what I'm saying? I just try to like lead from that to what can actually be done, you know, with those funds. Yeah. Circling back to compensation, how much of your book of business is the trailing, like the recurring money versus the new money that you bring in? Man, that's a good question. I would say now, and it, it's pretty much different on the health and life side. But I would say all around, uh, and I just finished doing my taxes. So it seems like it's pretty much, it's still more new business. But my, for for example, this year, it'll probably pretty much even out as far as the renewals go. Like 50-50. Um, I would say maybe like 60-40, uh, 60-40 new business, 40% uh, just renewal. Um, but I'll definitely, like I said on Twitter the other day, I'll definitely make over $20,000 this year just off of renewals. So if I was comfortable and I was like, man, you know what? I'm just going to chill at the crib and make $20,000 this year. I don't know. Watch power and play Madden all day. <laughs> I could I could do that. But that's actually really cool. If you think about it, it becomes like a permanent source of income. Yep. Yep. Um, have you had any mentors that have helped coach you through uh, what you're doing right now? Oh, hell yeah, man. Uh, so like I said, after I left the um, the network marketing insurance, I pretty much was just on my own loan shark. From about beginning of 2019 until uh, maybe end of even the end of 2020, and then I just um, I don't I don't remember how it happened. Somebody added me to this uh, this Facebook group for you know insurance agents worldwide, and I just made a post in this group. I was like, hey man, I'm a new agent out here. I would love you know to get mentored, and people started reaching out to me, like sending me messages. 
And uh, my best buddy, man, his name is Joe Camper. He owns uh, uh, he owns multiple agencies. And he's like a year older than me. Um, he reached out to me. He was like, hey, man, I'm going to take you out to lunch, bro. So not only did this guy, well, I told him I was going to take him out to lunch. So not only did he ended up paying for it, he also sent me two leads. And I ended up making about $3,000 off of them. Uh, and they're still my clients to this day. Um, they referred me to other people. So he's pretty much just te been teaching me everything. You know, I've been able to get with his mentor um, and I've paid, you know, four figures for like mastermind, stuff like that. So, yeah, now, like I said, I, I'm getting, you know, people that are, you know, seven, eight figures in the insurance industry, you know, teaching me what to do. Um, and now I'm at a point to where I just, you know, dropped a course teaching other people how I do what I do. So I don't know, you've been telling me about that for a while and I kind of just been kind of just, I guess, procrastinated a little bit, but um, now I got that, and it's 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 really nice. And I'm still adding content to that, yeah. you know, pretty pretty often. Have you uh have you been getting some people to to buy into what you have going on? I have a couple, a couple. I like yeah. it. I like it. And What's I've had people cool? send me. I'm sorry. I've had people send me DMs too. You know, people send you DMs like, "Hey man, you know, I'm really interested, um, but they're looking for something for free." And it's like, "All right, bro, I'm, I'm not about to waste my time with you." Yeah. I mean, I'm, this is insurance. I'm selling a course for 147 dollars. You can make double that off of one life insurance policy. So I'm not about to waste my time. You know, if you want to lose, you can lose. So, yep. But I think what's cool is um, what's interesting is when I proposed that, that wasn't even the idea that I had. I was like, I don't know if he wants to give up all that game. I was just like general life insurance information, the difference between a whole life, universal life, the difference between term insurance, uh, what all those different things mean, just really breaking down the definitions. But what's cool is you can still do that. So like, that's the beauty of digital products is you should do that because to a certain extent, what happens is the information and the education that you're giving to, to somebody is actually educating your potential customer. So you go through and you explain all this stuff, you get compensated to teach people what you would be doing for free in the first place. And then they want to meet, book that meeting with you. And so they want to say, Hey, I actually want to get a policy or they go the other way. It's like, Hey, I actually want to start my own uh, company. So exactly. what you're doing is great. Um, we got to figure out a way for me to get that into the Freedom Packers. Some way we could create a partnership, even if I got to sell it for three hundred bucks and we split it fifty fifty. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can. I, can uh, I need to figure out how to do. I think I need to go to Gumroad and set up affiliates, man. Like I said, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still new to this. Um, but yeah, man, I pretty much give everything that I do. I pretty much give all the game, all the game, and I feel like I, I can, I should be selling that for way more than one hundred forty-seven dollars. Yeah. But people got the money, fam. These oh, folks yeah, ain't broke. They, they just act they broke. Exactly. Um, what is one thing that your business about your business that you didn't expect? Uh, one thing about business that I did not expect. The insurance business, your um, business. Man, what's one thing I did not expect? Well, coming into it, I did not expect uh chargebacks. So chargebacks, I don't, uh, in the insurance industry, basically like if you sell a life insurance policy, they advance you for a whole year worth of premiums. So if you have a client that stops paying their premiums or cancels their policy within that first year, then they're going to want to recruit, re recoup that money. So that's one thing that I wasn't, uh, at first I wasn't expecting, but now, you know, I've, I've come, I've become accustomed to it. It happens. Um, but let me see one thing I did not expect. I definitely didn't expect for my business to grow like this. Um, cause like I said, when I, when I first started selling it, I looked at it more of like a, uh, like a side hustle. So I went from maybe selling like, you know, two, four policies a month 
to now, you know, doing 30, 35 policies a month, you know, and even upwards of that, you know, during the open enrollment seasons. So it's, um, that's, that's definitely, like I said, I've become accustomed to it now, but at the beginning, I, that, that wasn't the plan at all. Interesting. Interesting. Um, what it maybe was a challenge that you weren't expecting that you experienced when you're getting into the industry? A challenge, man, pretty much just dealing with people, you know, <laughs> dealing with people is a, is a big challenge, man. So, you know, in this industry, you know, they say that the money is in the follow-up. So, you know, sometimes, you know, I could talk to somebody on the phone, you know, and it could be like a one call close other people, you know, I can chase them down for like two years, you know, um, or, you know, I could have people, you know, we could do, we could do their application, you know, and I might need them to take a medical exam. And then when it, they, they like, they stop responding to you, you know, at that point, or, you know, a life insurance company might need some information. Uh, and you've done all you've, you know, consulted with these people for free, you know, you've done the application with them and then they just kind of just leave you out, you know, out to dry. They just stop replying to you. So that stuff right there is stuff that I really don't expect, you know, especially when people like reach out to you first and it's like, well, Hey, you know, I actually need this life insurance and you do great customer service and they still leave you hanging. But even that too, I've, I've become accustomed to that too. Yeah. It's weird, but it happens. It's funny because I didn't want to be that guy. I was like, man, if I hit him up, I want to make sure that I close the loop on the project. So glad I'm not one of those people. Yeah, For those who don't surprised. know, uh, Brandon has given me two life insurance policies. The first was uh, a half million dollar policy, which was a really good policy. Um, and the second was the million dollar policy, which is the new policy that we put to replace that million dollar policy. Super yep. easy process. Um, I want to say, I think it didn't require much of anything. We had a phone call conversation. It might've been on Zoom. We yep. went over everything. You told me the numbers. And uh, then I had to like sign something. And then we had the lady come out. The lady came to the house. She like took blood. She made me pee in a cup. Yep. I always have a hard time doing the pee in the cup thing. And um and like a few days, I had a whole new policy. I just had to send yeah. docs, sign docs on DocuSign. So DocuSign, super straightforward yep. process, y'all. Um, is easy. Yep. You really have no. It's easy and it's also inexpensive. Yeah. Um, well, you're, you 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 were good. You were good because uh, so you've been losing some weight. So I think uh, I think the quote that I gave you at first was like eighty bucks or something like that. Yeah. But then it, it dropped to fifty. Which is crazy because a lot of people wouldn't think that they could do something like that. A lot of people are like, oh, million dollars. That's blah blah blah. Yeah, but, I mean, part of that might be the fact that a million dollars is different than it used to be back in the day. <laughs> so yeah, but I dollars, mean, for, you know. for young people, it, it it can still it can still be inexpensive for 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 younger people, twenties, thirties, yeah. and then also, like I said, you if you're in good health too, um, the better your health. The uh, it's really honestly, I don't really know if I can say health, but it's more just your height compared to your weight. So on their chart, if you're smaller, based off of that on good health based off of that and you know they they drop premiums yeah, so yeah. that's um, interesting um yeah. a lot of people think that like black people not having insurance is a big thing do you think that's a thing like statistically does it show that so statistically i don't i can't really talk on statistics uh, but I will say now, I think that there has been a shift in the community. Uh, people, you know, even my family members are coming to me. Um, and some of them are, you know, it's it's been quiet, you know, but they'll tell me, hey, you know, I, I've been having this policy. You know, I got policies on, on, you know, this, that and the third. But it's like growing up, you know, they really don't talk about it. I think my dad was the only person that actually sat me and my siblings down when we were, I think I was a freshman in high school. 
and he uh he was getting his medical exam he set us down and he was like yeah i'm getting life insurance you know you need to get this too this is why i support you know what i'm saying so i do see a shift in the community uh, but I'm still, you know, working to to change that because I'm also still seeing like a lot of like GoFundMe stuff too. So just yeah. trying to trying to play my part to you know er- eradicate all of that. That GoFundMe stuff is crazy. Um, yeah, that's definitely not guaranteed either. Yeah, it's not a good right. It's not guaranteed. You nope. gotta hope folks decide to fund you. Yeah, yeah. And if and if you're uh, if you're like I don't want to be rude, but if you're a nobody or like for example, if you're a dude. Unless you get killed by the police or something, you're probably not gonna get the money. Like maybe if you're like a, a little girl, you know, people you know feel the sympathy. But if you're a grown person, you're probably right. You're not probably you're probably not gonna see that. So, right, you know? right. They're gonna end so, up having to sell dinners for you or do a car wash. Don't make your wash. family do a car wash for you, fam. Your yep. family should be better off, not worse off. Not out here trying to figure out what they're going to do. And it doesn't take that much money. It really doesn't. And what I think what's really important is you just work it into your budget, but you also learn how to increase your income around things that are necessary. So like I said, it's very inexpensive. So it's like a hundred bucks a month. Let's say you get a hundred bucks a month. Like what can you do to make an extra hundred bucks a month? You can rent your car out on Turo. You can drive Uber for one day. You can do whatever. And what you're doing to get out of that hole doesn't mean that you're going to always have to do that. Exactly. I was talking to my mom and I was like, man, I've so many really cool things now, but it started out driving DoorDash. It started out doing uh, working weekends in a restaurant. It started out working yep. bullshit jobs that, in my, in my opinion, underpaid me. And I was thinking, I was like, is there another way to make it or is that the way to make it? Because if I had to start all over, I would do exactly that again. Yeah. And yeah, so the things that you're doing to get you into a good space are not going to always be the things you have to do to once you once you get good. So do the things you got to do, fam. So folks don't got to be out here embarrassed because that's embarrassing, man. Nobody wants to have to put up a GoFundMe. That's like exactly. a sign that says, we broke. We broke, yeah. You got your whole family on yeah. the internet telling everybody they broke. Yep. Like, come on, yep. man. Don't do yep. that to your family, man. Yeah, speaking of, speaking of what you just said, man, as far as, you know, basically just start from the bottom, you know, I was listening to your podcast doing Uber. You know, every morning I'm doing Uber. So this is before... Like I said, this was before I actually was selling, you know, making a lot of money in insurance. You know, like I said, I was only making or selling, you know, maybe two, two, four policies a month. So I'm doing Uber in my other free time, you know, just to make a make a living. But, you know, now I don't have to do that no more. So but but yeah, man, I don't have to it, do it. it but you, we are living that we live in the best time to be making money, man, because yeah. if if we were in other times, you know what you have to do. You literally have the only way you can get customers is making phone calls and knocking on doors. Yeah. These days, you can literally just talk about what you know and people will come to you. Yep. You don't got to slide in the DMs on them. You don't got to be harassing them because you never really know who wants what you know. You never really know who wants to work with you. So it's like you over here knocking. I used to do this. You over here knocking on doors of people who don't like you. You could just put out bait and the people who want to work with you want to work with you. It's It's a way better way to go about business Exactly. because getting insulted and getting uh, laughed at or getting told no can really hurt your spirit, y'all. And then you over here with the potential good opportunity that you just quit on because you had to do it the old school way. So that's yeah. one thing I like about you is you you built your business the way that makes sense in today's times. It also gives us an advantage because nobody does social media as good as we do social media. One of the things that I like that you do is your Twitter name is actually your business name. Like you own it. And it's not like some random name. Why? Yeah. Uh, so when I first got on Twitter, man, um, or when I first got on LLC side of Twitter, 
I had my old uh, Twitter handle and I had my old Twitter name. And I actually had this guy reach out to me um, and it was unsolicited, unsolicited advice. And when he when he sent me the message, I, I kind of was like, man, ain't nobody ask you this. But I kind of just sat back and was like, man, you know, this news is probably right. But he basically just says, like, hey, man, um, if I were you, I would I would change my name because I wouldn't do any business with you. So and like I said, at the time I was like, man, bro, I didn't ask who are you? You know what I'm saying? But as I got mature, I was like, you know what? OK, this guy's right. You know, I'm a businessman now, you know, and I should, um, you know, act as such or, you know, just, you know, stick to stick to, you know, stick to that. So um, I guess I changed it because I mean, Twitter pretty much, even though I don't talk about you know, business all day, you know, different topics come up, you know, I still wanted Twitter to know, hey, this is what I do. Um, I don't want it to be a, and people listen to this too, too. Like if you're selling something on the internet, people should know what you do. It shouldn't be a question. Like, for example, if you got with a group of people on Twitter and you say, yeah, that insurance guy, I bet you somebody in there is going to be like, oh, okay. Hey, yeah. I, I might not know him, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's my goal. I want to be that insurance guy. You know, or even if you talk about insurance adjusting right now, who you, who you think about? You think about Steph, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I wanted to do. I like it. I like it for a few reasons. People should know what you what you do without you having to tell them. But what's really cool is you're constantly marketing just because that's your name. So even if you're not even talking about insurance, you're still marketing if you pop up and they see your name. And another yep. thing is a lot of people... They won't do that because what they'll say is, oh, well, I'm on Twitter, you know, Twitter, I might be talking about something that might not be business related. It might not be professional, but you got to realize like your customers are people too. Exactly. So like your customers ain't just always talking about professional stuff all the time too. So you have permission to just be yourself, man. Be yourself, yeah. Be yourself, especially on Twitter. Be a human being, especially on Twitter. And you're, you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. You're showing them that yep. you're a human being. So they're going to want to work with you because they're human beings. Exactly. And you're always marketing, even if you're not marketing. And so I think that exactly. is so powerful because a lot of people like old world thinking. And I think that as entrepreneurs, we have to think different and we can't think like employees. I was uh, today. I was, I got a phone call from my electrician who's going to be doing some stuff in the house. We're renovating. And uh, I was like brushing my teeth while he was talking on the phone. But I knew that if I missed that phone call, it would just throw the whole day back. And so I was thinking, I was like, you know, if I had a job, I could never talk to somebody on the phone while I'm brushing my teeth. But in business, I can do what I got to do to get you the job done. And you so do he do. knows he's calling somebody in California who's like getting started their day. They're on the East Coast time. You call me at seven o'clock in the morning. Like you actually probably appreciate that I'm actually talking to you right now. And so like, that's when I tell people like business is liberating. Entrepreneurship is liberating. It's, the money's just a byproduct of the freedom. Yep, the yep. real win is being able to be yourself. The real win is not walking into a space where you're having to put somebody else on a pedestal. My mom was talking about how she's experienced this thing where she's doing now. She's now that she's an entrepreneur, she still kind of steps into the corporate world of the consulting. So she's not an employer. She's a consulting and she's getting paid double what she'd be getting paid. And yeah. she's realized like at these firms, they groom people for partner. So they'll take a little white dude and they say, hey, we want you to be a partner. They're going to teach you all these things. We're going to show you these things. We're going to bring in other people to prepare you. And she's like, she's like, they're taking my work and using it to kind of help make him partner. But they didn't do that for me. And I was like, you can't really expect them to do that for you. Exactly. Um, as crazy as it sounds, I don't like it. I think it should be fair and equal and all this stuff. But I just, pre- I just it don't work like understand that. what it is. And so it was like, 
being able to step out of that bullshit is empowering because imagine if your only source of income was that and you got folks over here just putting other people on and making you struggle and like i was saying they if, if you're in that situation and you lack the abilities it becomes we're not promoting because you lack the abilities but somebody else over here it's like you lack the abilities let's coach you so that you can get those abilities so then you can be here exactly and i've experienced it and i know some me too shit, me too man I, i'm not i don't i don't want to live that life man i i got a, i got a child man Shout out to kids. Shout out to my son. So, yeah, yeah man, it's the freedom, it's the liberation that comes with it, not all that other nonsense. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Yeah, man, I, like I said, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Um, from going to, you know, waking up and being on somebody else's time to, I mean, it's still, it's still hard work on the entrepreneurial side too. I mean, you still want to show up on time, but the difference is, is you showing up for yourself, you know what I'm saying? And for, you know, your character and how you're presented versus, you know, for somebody else. So as you really, you work harder because now it's yeah. your name is on the line, not somebody else's name or somebody else's company. Yeah. So, you know, entrepreneurship just made me, I've always had good work ethic, but it just made me just, you know, kind of just really just go OT, yeah. it, you know, because now like my name is literally on the business, you know what I'm saying? So everything is pretty much pretty much riding riding on me. Yeah. It's a different kind of work ethic and it's also results driven. Yeah. Where sometimes if you're working a job, the income is associated with the hours on the job. So if you get the results or you don't get the results, it don't matter. Well, you're yep. an entrepreneur, you only win if it's results. And that's one of the things I have to tell my peeps all the time. But I'm learning that you might not be able to even manage people like that. You might still have to manage by the numbers. So I'm just delegating you these tasks and this specific quantity expecting for the result to come. I won't even necessarily make you responsible for the result because people don't like that. I, was, I told an employee that their job is related to the results. They got pissed off and quit. They're like, results? That's not my job to do results. My job is to just give you hours. I, yeah. like, I don't want your hours, fam. I that's can't my, eat your hours. My son cannot eat. You just give me hours. So we're learning. We don't know everything about entrepreneurship. I don't know everything about entrepreneurship, but it's a worthy thing to learn. Um, before we start wrapping up, I got some questions that are I'm going to just kind of fire off. You can answer them quickly. Okay. Um, what is one thing about your job or your business that no one or almost no one agrees with you about? Uh, man, I don't. Tough question. <laughs> that is a tough question that nobody, uh, you said nobody agrees with me about. Yeah. Uh, um, man, I'm trying to think of something like controversial that I, I've said on Twitter related to business. Because I mean, those, those, they do pop up from time to time. You made, you had a tweet that I disagreed with recently. I think it was about women paying for shit. Oh, I don't, okay. I, I, I reworded that. We, we, we got to talk about that on Tweet Talk, though. But <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I worded that tweet badly. I should have used different words. Um, well, we live in different states also. Yeah. That's cost true. of living in Texas and cost of living in California is two different oh, things. Two different things. Yeah. So in California, yeah. Hypothetically, let's say a dude makes 40 grand, right? 40 grand ain't getting you shit in California. Yeah, Why? Because a, a one bedroom apartment costs you 1800 bucks. Damn. 
And so in Texas, if that same dude makes 40 or maybe even 60 grand, because what happens a lot of times in Texas is they even pay you more. Yeah. They pay you more and the cost of living is less. So if this dude's making 60 grand to do the same thing somebody in California would be making to make 40 grand, his rent is a thousand dollars and he does not pay the rent. That's some bullshit. <laughs> but like in California, it's not the case. And so I think that sometimes on Twitter, we got to qualify stuff. You got to say, I think men in Texas should pay all the bills. Men in California, y'all can go 50-50. Or y'all can work out in a group where she helps you out. Not because you're any less of a man, but because it's expensive as fuck. But think about it. We're over here. Think about this. What if I were to tell you, you know what? I think all men should wear coats today. And you out there where it's 30 degrees and I'm out here where it's 80 degrees. That's how we make it. That's how people make statements on Twitter. It's like, oh, real man ain't going to wear a coat outside. Bro, it's 80 degrees. (laughs) You go outside right now. What's going to happen? You're going to freeze. I'm going to freeze to death. Yeah. And that's how we make statements on Twitter. It's just a blanket statement Mm -hmm. that everybody's supposed to expect, despite the fact that we all live in different climates and different environments with different circumstances. Yeah. And you got people pissed off because they're like, well, you ain't a man because you got a jacket on. Like, bro, it's 30 degrees (laughs) out here. Why shouldn't I have a jacket on? Now we arguing about a damn jacket not arguing about the actual specific circumstances yeah. that is no you're right you're right but yeah i think uh, uh i think the tweet was um if you want your wife to i, I said the word made and that's the word that I, I should use a different word but i think i basically said if you want your wife to be like dudes expect their wife to be a maid and then bring in 50 percent but i didn't mean like maid just clearing up after you i meant like the main caretaker of a child you know, doing other duties that I, as a man, either don't have time to do or don't feel like is worth my time. You know, I'm not talking about cooking and cleaning either. That's all genders, I feel like. But um, I, I feel like that is a large part a result of like this celebrity housewife TV show culture that we've created. <laughs> because I would argue and prove me now in this. I don't think black women have ever been stay at home moms. Uh, not in the 50s, 50s right? and 60s. Not in the 50s and 60s. What were they doing in the 50s and 60s? They were staying at home. They was working, fam. They was working. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a 90s baby. <laughs> it was working. Honestly, I think my grandma didn't work. My grandfather was in the military. Different lifestyle. Yeah. But I, I really feel like for the most part, women were working. I don't think I don't I don't know. And I don't know if historically black women are just staying at home. I know when we were slaves, they was out there slaving too. Yeah, that's true. A lot of folks, Uh, moms who work two, three jobs. And so I just I just don't know that that's ever really been a part of our culture. I think that's something I admire in other cultures. But America is different. different people so we can't say like i just want to do what white folks do because i deserve to do what white folks do because i'm an american and they're in america too so therefore we get that but we don't own the systems that allow for that to happen we ain't grooming folks to be partnered yeah maybe if i was grooming folks to be partnered then his wife could not work different opinion i don't want to i don't want to beat this down yeah just just talking just talking man difference of opinion you live in texas man you should be doing all that cool nice stuff for your ladies (laughs) speaking of the ladies uh how's that working out for you fam I mean, I, I'm still young. But I'm 26, man. I'm not. I'm not even thinking about none of that. 26, but you don't got like a long-term girl, nothing like that. <laughs> no, bro. I'm not here. Um, like I said, man. I'm just pretty much just focused on business. I go out from time to time, have some lady friends. Go out from time to time, but all right. I'm not getting caught up in nothing. I'm. Uh, I'm just trying to put myself in a position to where, um, like, like I said, I'm not. I'm not trying to like put my cape on and pay like a hundred percent to where a woman ain't got to do nothing. But I definitely want to put myself in a position to where 
you know, I'm just making like a lot of money. It's really, it's really nothing. It's really nothing to it. So, um, but like I said, man, I I make enough money right now for me to take care of myself, pay personal bills, pay all my, my business overhead, you know, so I might do something I want to do. Um, but like I said, man, I'm, I'm young. I haven't even hit my prom yet. So I'm just trying to boss up and level up, get ready for that prom. And then whenever I get that, then I'll start, you know, thinking, thinking about, you know, settling down and stuff like that. But all right now, man, I'm, uh, what, 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 what future say I'm for the streets. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Um, 26, you just bought a Lexus. Oh yeah. Um, drop top. <laughs> yeah. What, what did that do for you mentally? How does that, how does that feel? Man, it, it just told me to go harder, man. Every time I look at that car, I'm just like, man, I gotta go harder. I gotta go harder, bro. So, cause I, man, I, I, I ain't even plan on, I ain't even plan on doing that. Um, everything just kind of just worked itself out. Um, the car I had got the tripping, same issue I've been having with it, you know, for a while. I was like, man, I don't know if I want to put. They were trying to charge me like another like eight hundred or a thousand to get it fixed, and then um, that Lexus. It wasn't the model that I wanted. It was the year, and it was the. I got an SC four thirty. I wanted the LS, but when I saw that it, the the top goes down, I'm like, okay, no, nah, it's the car that I want right here. So, like I said, man, I got a good deal. Um, and I was like, man, I just, I, I gotta, I gotta have this car. So, but like I said, man, it just, it just turned my hustle up, man. It just turned my hustle up. I think stuff like that does turn your hustle up. And that's why sometimes it's, it's for certain people, for certain people, uh, for me, I'm one of the people that it does that too. Uh, I find that when I wear this watch, I approach life differently than when I wear my other more conservative watches. Yeah. Uh, your mindset elevates to, uh, your like the circumstances that you're in, which is why I tell a lot of people like you don't have to make folks struggle to make them go hard. Like some people, they can win just because that's just where they're built. Yeah. So you are in a better position now, but you're grinding harder. So does that mean exactly. that you needed to struggle to grind? No, I don't think so. I think the yeah. mentalities had to be right because there's always another level. And I'm pretty sure like you've experienced this. You're like, bro, like, let me let me see. Let me elevate. Let me upgrade elevate, this. Let me elevate yeah. this. Let me push through to the next level. Yeah. And that's the next, that that's, that's my next goal, man. I'm trying to get the, uh, I really want a penthouse really bad penthouse or just a, just a luxury apartment or a loft or something like that. What's so the what cost I'm, of living like in Austin? Man, if, well, if you, uh, well, no, uh, so I got a one bedroom right now. I pay nine fifty. one bedroom, one bathroom. Damn, that's good, man. Yeah. But it, it's, it's just me. Uh, like I said, it's, it's pretty cheap. Um, but I think so. A, a high rise apartment downtown Austin is like twenty five hundred. So because uh, I remember I had did a um, I had did a uh, a notary signing. I think it was twenty twenty with the guy out there. I think it was like thirty seven something. And I was like, man, like I don't want to get all in your business, man. But how much? How much? Like, what, what is your rent? Yeah, he was like, yeah man, it's twenty five hundred. And he said that, and I was just like, man, that's how many really, bedrooms? That's nothing. Well, I, I didn't know. I think it was just one. I think okay. it was just one. But it was it was big though. It was spacious. Yeah. It's like, dang. 25 is doable. 25 is doable. And then you looking outside and you just, the whole city is just right there. Whole city right there. Which is another level of aspiration. Like when you get into that and you're looking at that, like you like, I got to go harder. I got to go harder. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I was watching TikTok and it was like, that's one thing that like black folks do when they walk in a nice spot and they're like, this is nice. He's like, yeah. don't ask him this. Don't ask him. It's like, well, how much you pay for rent? <laughs> Man, I, oh, yeah. I I asked. I, I'm not even man. If I'm if I'm curious, man, I'm gonna ask. What do you do? That was my that was the biggest thing when I first became an entrepreneur. Man, I asked everybody, man, what do you do? Like, what do you do? 
Uh, and luckily, I never freaked nobody out. Everybody was, you know, just cool. Like, hey, man, you know, I do such and such or, you know, so but like I said, man, that stuff is it's definitely inspiring. I think that is important. It's important to be curious. It's important to ask people that. And I think some people might think that people will be weirded out. But a lot of them are proud of what they do. They get up every day and they do it. They want to kind of exactly. brag about it. They like talking about themselves and bragging about themselves. Even exactly. the Daniel Mac guy rolling up on folks, like asking them what they do for them. They like that stuff. And you get to progress through it. Like I always talk about how I went to downtown San Diego and I'm walking through the the different apartments. And I was asking her, I was like, what kind of people live here? And she told me, and that helped direct my vision. That yeah. helped him what I need to be focused on. Like, okay, entrepreneurship, blah, 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 blah. So that's cool. Um, what is one tool that is indispensable in your business? Indispensable, man. I would say my phone and my laptop, phone and my laptop. You uh, you work from anywhere then pretty much. You have the ability to work wherever you are. Wherever I'm at. The only, I put it like this, man. The only time that I ever do in-person appointments is if I'm tired of sitting in this chair and I want to put on my nice watch and my blazer and my nice uh, shoes just to look good. That's pretty much it. Other than that, I pretty much can do this from here, from a coffee shop. I go to the park pretty much. So pretty much any I could I could be in I could be in California you could be in California so yeah I don't know though man kind of it's kind of expensive out there (laughs) I'll come out there and I mean that that would just be another another inspiration to me you know to look at something and they'd be like yeah man rent here is like four thousand dollars a month Mm -hmm. I'd be like what yeah yeah like a studio apartment gonna gonna hit you over the head one bedroom two bedrooms they're gonna hit you over the head that's it's wild. nice. Weather's nice. You're around great people. I, I think Los Angeles definitely is an inspiration. It pushes a lot of the things that I do. Hold on. So what do people in the hood do? Like if do they just make more money, like if you're working at, I don't know, let's say you're working at Popeye's in Texas, you might make $13 an hour. But over in California, they're paying those people like $20 an hour. I don't know. Um, I, I, I know they're paying 13 an hour. to. So I didn't know they're paying 13 an hour to work at Popeye's in Texas. But what's interesting is they probably pay the same, if not less, in California. They'll mess around and pay you $11 an hour. That's crazy. That person got to have like five roommates or something. Well, that's what makes California retarded is they're so hard on businesses tax-wise that businesses can't pay that much. Oh, But the cost of living is still high. So people are being squeezed. They're being squeezed from both ends. They are living with their parents for a long time. A lot of people still live with their parents. <laughs> and they're just lucky because their parents might have lived there for a long time. So, like my parents, when they bought their house, they paid three fifty for it. Okay, it nothing. Three fifty now it's worth like seven fifty. And so the people whose parents live in a certain area, they can't afford to live where their parents live. And so what I would say is, people in California just be struggling, and okay. they be getting EBTs, and they be getting all kind of benefits. Because that's the only way that they can exist. They still live with their parents. They can't move out. If they do, they, they probably got a bunch of people living with them. But I just don't know too many people that are out here just flourishing. A lot of people are just moving and pissed off. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Because I was like, man, how do people like, for example, like if you're in a nice area in the rent, or even if you in the hood and the rent for like a one bedroom is $1,500. i am just like, man, how does somebody just do that? Like They that's, don't. They be, a that's lot of wild. folks live in the projects, man. A lot of people live in the projects, low-income apartments. And it's just okay. like legacy stuff that's just been sitting there. And so they can afford there because it's just been there for so long. So like, okay. um, that's one thing that I would say. Um, and then, I mean, you have some people who are successful. They live in the city. They live in Hollywood. They live in the valley. Okay. They might live near the water. Um, but a lot of folks just be broken living in the projects. There's a lot of projects out here. Okay. Um, I can't really think what, what a lot of Hispanics do is when they, they bunk up like crazy. 
So they got even a house, everybody up in that house. Yeah, even in Texas. Oh, so that's anyway. how they make it make sense. But, you know, black folks, we don't like to live together. We just don't know how to coexist. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But let's wrap it up. Um, another good conversation. It's cool. We could do these all the time, man. We could always be talking about insurance. It's really important. We can talk about different current events with insurance. I'm just trying to I'm trying to create a whole TV network. So I'm trying to create as much content as possible. I'm going to be on TV all, all day talking uh, business, talking investing, talking all that stuff. We create in the black CNBC. I'm not going to let nobody beat me to the punch. I'm going to create it and I'm going to get it out there. I always have this content. For I like that. So I got to collaborate with dope people like you. You know, you have your own podcast. We'll be talking about different insurance companies and things like that. Bringing on guests, talking about that stuff, talking about, you know, what you were just telling me about how somebody thought they wouldn't get paid out. We're going to do it, man. We're going to build it because the bigger things we build, the better we get to live and the better we get to leave a legacy. So where can people find you? Where can they follow you? And where can they support what you have going on, man? So on Twitter, uh, my handle is BT Insurance CEO. And that's BT as in Brandon Thomas. On Instagram, it's just BT Insurance. Uh, I'm also on YouTube at BT Insurance TV. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I know you're on YouTube. Yeah, I just uh, met Andre, man. Uh, after that that Dallas event, uh, I met Andre at the in the lobby at the Marriott. He was like, "Yeah, man, you got to get your YouTube page." So I just started a YouTube page. So um, and on there, I just give like a lot of just game from a, a consumer point of view. Um, when people like are in the process of buying insurance, you know, just stuff to expect, um, different, you know, knowledge and terms, anything know, stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I'm pretty much, I'm real big on, uh, Twitter. Uh, matter of fact, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to be uh, recording another YouTube, uh, another YouTube video. Um, but we yeah. got to find a way to collaborate and get you on the black CNBC, man. I'm down. So my thinking is this. We can create a channel on the Black CNBC for you. And you can also have your channel. So you can post on your channel. We can also post it there, get you dual, dual exposure. I'm down with that. Let's do it, man. Black CNBC. My name is Charles Oglesby. Uh, make sure you tap in with this brother. I'm going to have all this information in the show notes. Make sure you support what you guys going on. Make sure that you go to this brother for your insurance needs. And this brother only, he is the only official insurance broker for the Thai Capital Companies. Um, and he'll hook you up and give you a good price. It'll be quick and easy. You have no excuse not to have insurance. Please do not leave your kids out there struggling and don't make your family run that GoFundMe. Um, also, shout out to Andre C. Hatchet in the building. He just tapped in. Oh, yeah. Uh, my name is Charles Oglesby, but you can call me Todd Millionaire. This is another episode of the Millionaire Talk Show, and we are signing off.